Let me tell you, I won't deny any of Benjamin Franklin's accomplishments. <laughs> and he also wanted the turkey to be our national bird, apparently, which I can respect. <laughs> but I would rent my soul out for one hour a year to any interested demonic entities if it meant I could go back in time and punch him in the face for daylight savings time. Okay, I was wondering where this was going. <laughs> and I would happily join you on that time-traveling adventure. Good. Because I did not even realize until I set my alarm Saturday mm. night, mm -hmm. and it said, okay, this alarm will go off in seven hours. You mean eight, right? No, I mean seven. <laughs> oh! God, why? It's like the, the Star Wars meme of Padme. It's like, you mean eight hours, right? <laughs> Anakin, right? Just, instead, of, instead of Anakin, it's a picture of Benjamin Franklin in the Star Wars robes. Eight hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I'm Greg, a.k.a. Greg. Sure are. We have all <laughs> kinds of stuff this week. We've got Oscar results that I only kind of tangentially care about, but should still probably say <laughs> stuff about. <laughs> Got some big, big casting news. Got a review for Stream 6, which I have opinions on, I suppose. Mm. And we're going to start with a little bit of gaming news. Mm -hmm. And that is that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has reportedly been delayed again. Again? Yep. Oh, for God's sake. Bloomberg is reporting that rather than its May 26th release date, it is debuting sometime later this year. <laughs> Oh god, that's the best kind of delay. The, it's still coming out this year delay, we just don't know exactly when or in what quarter. <laughs> no, it's great, especially when the gameplay reveal was not the greatest. Mm-hmm. Because of all the live service nonsense. Mm. Yeah, apparently, after the gameplay reveal was released, Rocksteady and Warner Brothers put out an FAQ, and okay. it confirmed that even when you're playing the game solo in single-player mode, you need an online connection. And instant gross. Yep, done. Instant done. Jesus. Games as service. Boy, it sure would suck if a superhero game came out that was games as service and was terrible and nobody played it and then somebody decided to do it again. Someone already took the bullets. Why are you continuing to take the bullets? <laughs> How are you going to look at Marvel Avengers imploding on itself and decide, that's it, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to do exactly that. I want to make a game that just feels half-baked and unfinished and just has a whole bunch of cosmetic loot box nonsense going on and everybody's going to get mad at it. It's going to be a great time. And we're going to do that while not having the financial stability that Call of Duty has. <laughs> because you basically just described that series at this point as well. <laughs> nice. There is a PS5 in my house. I could theoretically get this game, but mm. I won't. Right. I was actually moderately interested until I found that stuff out. Y yeah, no, that of all things, that would that kind of kills it for me and I even and I only had like a passing interest in it to begin with. Yep. We got even more Star Wars shakeups. Oh boy. Yeah, Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie that he was working on is apparently no longer in active development. Hmm. This is probably related to them deciding to scale back at Marvel Studios in terms of releases a bit because it sounds like he might have been being spread a little too thin and Disney probably decided, you know, maybe trying to have him do something with our other big sci-fi adjacent franchise probably isn't the smartest idea right now. 
to be completely honest, I completely forgot that he was working on a Star Wars movie. Yeah, that's because everybody was. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's also being said by sources with knowledge of the production that Rogue Squadron is also no longer in active development. Yeah, I saw that pop up in my feeds, and it's like, oh. Of all the upcoming projects that were at least hinted at, or, well, there there was more than hinting with that one. There was No, that one was supposed to come out. Yeah, like, there was a whole-ass presentation about it. That was the one I was very much looking forward to the most, so... They had Patty Jenkins attached to direct. Yeah, that one was a big bummer. It's also being said that Taika Waititi is continuing to work on his possible Star Wars movie, which he would most <laughs> likely have a part in. Per Variety, oh. similar in prominence to his standout role as an imaginary Adolf Hitler in his Oscar-winning 2019 <laughs> feature, Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> okay, to be fair, though, that was pretty great. <laughs> no, genuinely, I don't have a problem with Taika Waititi, and I don't have a problem with Taika Waititi being in his own movies. I just have a problem with his Thor movies, and I have a problem with Korg. So, when you started that sentence, I thought it was going to be a breakout thing of something related to him, like, playing Korg. I'm like, no, no, actually, and I never thought I would say this ever in my life. Actually, please take something from being imaginary Hitler. (laughs) Yeah, the words, honestly, I'd rather it be more like Hitler. (laughs) Not on my bingo card. Yes, especially coming from me, a history nerd and an (laughs) African-American. Yeah. Jojo Rabbit was a good movie, is the point I'm making. Yes, Jojo Rabbit was a good movie, and so was Taika Waititi as, well, imaginary Adolf Hitler. (laughs) Oh, man. Hit really hard, though. Oh, yes. (laughs) If you've never seen Jojo Rabbit, you should. Just uh, don't don't see it, like, the night before or during Mother's Day, is all I'm going to tell you. Isn't that what we did? That's what I did. No, wait, we watched it another time, never mind. We watched it, no, but like the first time I watched it, I was like bored and it was the night before Mother's Day, so it's like, let's rent a movie, watch it. It's like, I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit. I very much regretted that decision, like, about halfway into the movie, we'll say. <laughs> Alright. Mm, but good movie otherwise. Yeah, we'll see what comes of all this Star Wars stuff eventually, I guess. I take it there's been nothing said as far as any potential, like, release windows or anything like that. I think they've still got something set for December 2025, I think. Hmm. I, I don't know. Okay. They have to release something eventually, right? Yeah, just something in general, like a movie in general. I, I get why they're taking their time with the movies after how the sequel trilogy went, but give us something at this point? I, well, okay, ideally something good. <laughs> it's also weird because Bob Iger said during an earnings call that Apparently, Solo's box office performance is what made them take pause on all the releases they were doing for content, and it's it's confusing to me because it's like, really? Solo, the way he described it, it, it sounds like he doesn't see that the real problem with Solo is that you released it between Infinity War and Deadpool. Yeah, no, it's just, it was a bad release window more than anything else, because otherwise it was a solid film. Yeah, Solo was a so Solo is honestly probably one of my more favorite Star Wars movies, if I think about it. Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. Right. I'm going to move away from Disney stuff for a minute and go into Warner Brothers stuff. Oh, boy. Warner Brothers is currently fighting leaks of the movie that they wrote off as a tax write-off, <laughs> one of them, 
Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2. Don't worry, they mean the Superdog, not NFTs. Okay. I had you for a second, didn't I? <laughs> I... Oh, I was gonna be mad. <laughs> I was gonna be like, okay, guys, you've, you've officially... I mean, okay, not, I'm not gonna say officially gone too far, because we passed that milestone ages ago, but it's like, no, like, actually, seriously, you've gone too far. If it was gonna be Scooby-2 and the NFT caper or some shit. <laughs> no, no, fortunately not. Okay, good. Yeah, Scooby-Doo crossing over with, with, with Crypto the Superdog. Mm. Anyway, the whole movie has started leaking online. I'm not going to tell you where to find it, because that would be piracy, which is yes. illegal. But, <laughs> it does exist. <laughs> Warner Brothers is trying to stop it. But this is, it's a funny thing that I learned as a result of this. Apparently, all the stuff that Warner Brothers wrote off, mm -hmm. they can never officially release it now, but they also can't get rid of it. Really? Yeah, apparently... I haven't had a chance to substantiate this, but apparently they can't get rid of it because the IRS could choose to audit them at any time and could choose mm. to want to see this stuff. And if they can't provide it, then the IRS takes all the money back that they gave them for writing it off. So I think I can put together like ideas of why that's a thing. But currently what I'm imagining in my head is that someone in like one of the, the leaders of one of the departments in the IRS like, all right, we need to put together a company movie night. What do we do? Like, we need to pick out something. It's like <laughs> let's hey. audit Warner Brothers. <laughs> it's like, hey, I got an idea. Let's audit Warner Brothers for like an exclusive viewing of Batgirl. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we can we can do that. It's like yeah, they can't get rid of it legally, so it's like exclusive IRS movie night. Warner Brothers is like you fucking animals. <laughs> I think I know what I need to do with my career. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That's eye-opening. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that the reasoning probably has something to do with the thing of, like, you know, even though the movie belongs to them and all that, it was still made by groups of people, and there's money attached to all of that. So it's like, all right, sp things were paid for in making this movie happen, so that still needs to be on the books in some capacity. Yeah, it's basically just a case of, at any point, Warner Brothers has to be able to prove that the thing that they got money on their taxes for, actually existed. Yeah, that makes sense. Speaking of stuff that Zazzle decided wouldn't go to HBO Max... Oh boy. Batman Cape Crusader has a new home at Amazon. Okay. Yeah, it's been given a two-season order, in fact. I'm assuming that's encouraging. Yeah, because this is the series that had J.J. Abrams, which whatever, Matt Reeves, which is very good, and Bruce Timm, which is also very good, as their executive producers. Hmm. And Ed Brubaker was head writer, I think. Okay. So this is supposed to be like sort of a noirish Batman series. Hmm. Which, yes, yes, 100%, <laughs> give it to me. I want it, I need it. How dare you try to kill it in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> right. Which isn't what happened. I mean, he didn't write it off like he did Batgirl, but... <laughs> Let's hope there's not a repeat of that. <laughs> There's just a vault. I'm just imagining a vault of Warner Brothers tax write-offs, and there's just some absolute wily Coyote cartoon character trying to sneak <laughs> in and steal it. <laughs> it's just Plankton with the Krabby Patty secret formula. I'm imagining the actual wily Coyote. <laughs> or wily. He does work for them. <laughs> wily Coyote, corporate saboteur. I like the ring of that. Yes. 
So, I can't wait to see this show. Very excited. Glad I already have Amazon Prime, so I don't have to pay them extra for it. And then this next bit isn't officially confirmed, but somebody close enough Mm -hmm. confirmed it. In an interview with the YouTube channel Comic Pop Returns, Tom King, comic book writer who's also part of the writing room for DC Studios, offhandedly revealed that James Gunn is not just writing Superman Legacy, he's also apparently directing it. Oh, good job. Yeah. <laughs> good job, man. <laughs> and it's one of those things where you, you have to assume he knows. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a case of, oh, he probably just assumed like everybody else because he heard James Gunn was running. No, he works for DC Studios, so you'd assume he has an idea of what he's talking about. Yeah. In any case, I'm honestly a little bit more excited for it now, if anything. Because, mm-hmm. okay, a Superman movie is not what I would expect from James Gunn after the movies I've already seen from him. Mm-hmm. However, it has to be said, the man knows when to let emotional moments sit. Right. So I can see him doing Superman a whole hell of a lot of justice. Ha! <laughs> that was... <laughs> on accident. That was entirely on accident. Wow. Oh, boy. Oh, man. But no, this ought to be good, because, I mean, just look at Yondu's funeral. That is still one of my go-to favorite moments in any Marvel Studios movie. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, that was executed be- beautifully. That fucks me up every goddamn time. Mm-hmm. Oh. I <laughs> made myself sad thinking about it. Oh, no. All right, back to the good news. <laughs> got a got a huge born again thing, courtesy of Daredevil born again, courtesy of the okay. Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> I was like, are are we like revealing some major major life event on the podcast now? Oh yeah, no, Jesus is back. It's a whole thing. <laughs> no, no, but get this: John Bernthal is officially returning as the Punisher in Daredevil born again. All right, I guess I'm watching this now. Yeah! I, mean, I, was, I was probably going to watch it anyway, but yeah, that, that solidifies it. This is officially my most hyped thing that Marvel Studios is doing right now. <laughs> oh, Fantastic Four? Great. Deadpool 3? Yeah, whatever. Armor Wars? That's in third place. But! <laughs> ah, I can't wait! His Punisher is so good! His Punisher is amazing. And I didn't think they were going to bring him back. I figured they just let the Punisher sit because the character's kind of a fucking minefield right now. <laughs> I mean, with how long it's been since we even heard anything about the role. Yeah, I kind of figured that at this point, it's like, okay, we'll maybe cross that bridge when we get to it. But it's either not anything planned or a very low priority. So I'm happy to see that I was proven wrong in that aspect. Yeah, I kind of figured, okay, they've got Daredevil... Blade, Deadpool, and, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Marvel Zombies for kind of the grittier, darker stuff. I figured they'd just leave Punisher alone, given the whole vigilante justice angle thing, but... Mm-hmm. No, I'll take it! I'll 100% take it! Oh, yeah. Does come with some bad news, though. Per the same Hollywood Reporter article, Deborah Ann Wool and Eldon Henson, who played Karen Page and Foggy Nelson, are not on the roll call for the series. Oh. It is currently unclear whether the characters are going to be recast or just not be in the story. Oh, so like the the actor and actress, respectively, just aren't going to be part of it at all? As far as we know. That sucks. It was also confirmed in a later article that Sandrine Holt is part Mm -hmm. of the cast, 
playing Vanessa Fisk, so apparently Kingpin's wife has been recast, for sure. Hmm. Which, some people are getting really upset about, I don't... It depends on the circumstances. Like, if Marvel never asked any of them back, that's that's pretty bad form. Yeah. But, to be fair, it's been four years since the show ended. Hmm. It's entirely possible all of them are working on other things and don't really have the time or inclination to jump back into being the not-superheroes in a show. Right. So, we'll see. Most important part is Punisher's back, baby! Yes, yes, indeed. I shouldn't be this excited because, ah, but I am. (laughs) He's so good. Oh, he's very, I mean, I'm excited. I know I probably don't sound it, but I very much am. Of all the original Netflix superhero things, or, well, anti-hero in this case, things that were put out, I would say that Punisher was my favorite just because the thing that always drew me to Punisher as a character is that at the end of the day, he is literally just a normal person. He doesn't have any special, overtly special, like, um, super abilities. He doesn't have, like, some major defense or anything. He is literally a human being, for the most part. Like, a bullet to the head can kill him. But he's just so... But it so... didn't. It did. It. <laughs> That's right. He, t- he took one at one point, didn't he? <laughs> he took a bullet to the head and didn't die. <laughs> okay. C- comics notwithstanding. C- comics notwithstanding. That was in the show. Oh, it was? I f- that oh was in God. the show. Fuck, I forgot about... Oh, God, you're right. That was the whole basis of their defense. Extreme emotional disturbance. That's right. I forgot about that. Checkmate! He's still my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me mild, a mild hypocrite, but he's still my favorite. <laughs> the first four episodes of Daredevil Season 2 are some of the best television of superhero variety I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And most of it's because of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> it's not intended to be, I know it's not, but kind of a quick caveat. My favorite thing about that season in regards to the Punisher was him in the last episode where there were ninjas actively going after Daredevil trying to kill him. And he's just like headshotting them from a roof. And it's like, I can see, imagine him like being done being like, this is, this is why knives are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> It's supposed to be like this really cool moment of him providing backup, but when I saw that, I just started laughing my ass off. <laughs> the, the mystical forces of the hand are no match for Smith and Wesson. Yeah, the mythical forces of the hand are no match for 338 Lapua. <laughs> uh, I got some news regarding a movie that I know you don't much care for. Oh, boy. You remember The Room? Oh, sweet Jesus. (laughs) Well, Bob Odenkirk has revealed he's starring in a remake. Why is... No. No. I... There shouldn't be a remake of The Room. And I'm not saying that because I like The Room. The Room is... God, I'm actually going full film nerd on this for some strange reason. The Room is in such a unique vacuum of being so incredibly shitty that it goes back to being enjoyable, that it should not be touched or remade or anything. Just let it sit. Let people deal with the absurd badness of it for all of eternity. (laughs) Now, see, on the one hand, you are correct. On the other hand, Bob Odenkirk. And if Bob Odenkirk decides he wants to be Johnny in a remake of The Room... It's, oh, how what you, you say is, oh, hi, Johnny, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> Who the fuck doesn't recognize that guy? 
I like Seth Rogen, but I think that was the first time in my entire life where I was like, oh, actually 100% on Seth Rogen's side. I was just like, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> that is the realest thing that Seth Rogen has ever said or ever will say. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, God. Very excited. <clears throat> the Academy Awards happened last night as of the time of recording. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the most part... Uh, the whole thing is a sham. The whole thing is a the whole thing is a farce. The whole thing is politics. It's it's I I shouldn't care. And yet. Mm. There are some things I want to note. One of which is Black Panther Wakanda Forever won for best costume design, which is hooray, good for it, well deserved. Mm-hmm. Right. That's some good shit. Everything everywhere all at once got a fucking sweep. Good. As someone yeah. who's who's yet to watch it. <laughs> I have watched it. And I would mm. say out of the three nominees for Best Picture that I saw, it's definitely my favorite of the bunch. Mm-hmm. So it did win Best Picture. Michelle Yeoh won for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Ki-Hui Kwan won for Best Supporting Actor. Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert won for Best Director. They also won for Best Original Screenplay. The film received one for Best Editing. And in probably one of the more controversial decisions of the evening, Jamie Lee Curtis won for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, really? Yeah, and this one I actually have an opinion on because I saw four out of the five performances that were nominated for Best Supporting Actress. To be fair, two of them were from Everything Everywhere All at Once, but Mm. what have you. Jamie Lee Curtis is a phenomenal actress with a storied and expansive body of work. Mm -hmm. This was not one of her better roles, and it's not because it's bad. There's just not all that much to it. Hmm. However, Stephanie Hsu had to carry that movie because she's playing Michelle Yeoh's daughter and also oh. Jobo Tapaki, which I can say because that won't mean shit to you. <laughs> Fair. Yet. Mm-hmm. Angela Bassett as Ramonda in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, obviously knockout performance, Shakespearean gravitas to a movie about a, about people who dress up as cats. <laughs> And obviously there's more of the Black Panther movies than that. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're amazing. Well, mm-hmm. okay, the first one's amazing. I haven't still quite nailed down exactly how I feel about the sequel, other than it's astounding and absolutely remarkable that this movie is, in fact, a movie. Right. And even Terry Condon in The Banshees of Inisherin does a spectacular job as a compassionate, intellectual young woman struggling with the insipid banality and casual petty cruelty of isolated rural living. But not not the knockout of the movie, but still more substantial than Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. What I think happened here is what happens a lot of years. And in this case, it's the case of, I think this was the first time Jamie Lee Curtis was ever even nominated. I'm not 100%. Really? It's definitely her first win. Huh. I'm surprised considering how long she's been acting for. Yeah, but... Think about how many movies we know her from and think how many of those are going to get Oscar noms. Fair. And I think that's what happened. The Academy going, okay, she's a terrific actress who's been at this game for ages, and we're probably never going to get a chance to give her one of these again. Hmm. So that's, I assume, what they did. Doesn't make it right, it's still kind of a farce. Right. But it's what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brendan Fraser also took Best Actor for The Whale. I can't really comment on that because 
I only saw Colin Farrell's performance out of the five. Hmm. So I can't, I can't say well-deserved, but I can definitely say good for him. I'm glad oh, yeah. this uptick lasts. I hope he keeps getting support. I am so sorry I haven't gotten a chance to see the whale yet. Yeah, same. 100%. Now I feel bad. <laughs> oh, well. I think the most entertaining thing about the fact that neither of us have seen the whale is that someone in our respective personal lives keeps on, for a while, kept on asking us about it. <laughs> It's like, I don't know, I haven't seen it. Yeah, and it's like, you're the la- and I'm like, you're the last person I would have expected to have an interest in that movie, the person I'm <laughs> referring to. <laughs> yeah. All right, shall we go into trailer time? Uh, sure. All right. I will say, this week's trailer time, all three trailers actually did a good job getting me hyped for movies that I was otherwise not super 100% sold on. Yeah. Or at least, they did a better job selling me on aspects that I didn't really think were going to work. Yeah, I'd say all three of these moved me from on the fence for their respective titles to, okay, I'm interested in these now. Interested enough to, like, actually go see them. Let's start with Dungeons and Dragons. Which looks like a very good time. (laughs) It does! This captures more the feel of, like I've said, I would love it if this movie turned out to just be the super imaginative visualizations of what a bunch of nerds playing D&D think their campaign looks like. Right. And this, to me, at least helped really capture that chaotic sort of energy you would get from a bunch of people fumbling around being idiots at D&D. I can agree Especially, oh, especially the bit with Speak With Dead. That feels like the, <laughs> that feels like the game master just being a total asshole. So when that bit played, I was just like, because, like, I used to be part of the, our friends' like, D&D group and all that. I was like, I am imagining every single bit of this during, like, our last D&D campaign if, if <laughs> our DM did that. Like, I can see us all fucking this up this badly. <laughs> Trying to just talk to the body and just continually accidentally phrasing stuff as questions. <laughs> it's like, why would you say okay? It's like, I did it, dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that like, a question? <laughs> Yeah, and it's no! like it's like why is the corpse being a smart ass? <laughs> He's dead. What else does he have to do? <laughs> right. Fair. Oh god. No, this looks this officially looks better than I was expecting. I really like some of the creative magic uses. The bit when the I think he's the sorcerer is under mm. the carriage and there's also a portal in the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's pulling him away. Oh, I was scared. It's like, "Oh, is this shit dude about to get like chopped in half by his own portal?" <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, but it's, I kind of echo what you're saying. is like those kind of neat creative uses of magic. Where I was like, all right, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, this feels... that That's the thing, I think, that separates this from what I was originally afraid this was going to be, which was just a generic fantasy movie that just happens to have Dungeons & Dragons creatures and maybe some character name drops in it. Mm-hmm. This actually looks like a fun time now. Yeah, yeah. This looks this looks like a fun, good use of time. We also got a new trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie. This one has me fully sold on the movie now. Yeah the the only thing I really <laughs> didn't like was Mario, and he sounds better in this trailer. So yeah, no, that at least because in this one it sounded like more than just a snippet of his voice. I felt like in a lot of the clips that have been shown, or at least trailers have been shown, the times where we hear his voice are more spread out. And in this one, it's like, all right, still not a lot of dialogue, but definitely a lot more convincing than what we've been shown so far. 
Yeah, he's at. It feels like these lines have a lot more character to them than yeah. previous offerings, like the Mushroom Kingdom. Here we come. <laughs> oh God, the little star. I forget its name. The little Luma, star. The Luma. Luma. That just killed me. <laughs> Fresh meat like, for the grinder. <laughs> it's like the only thing that we can look forward to is the sweet embrace of death. They were just like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> just like, damn. This that movie Luma has, has no chill. No chill. <laughs> it's like, all right, so we are fully in the kids movie that has enough shit for the adults in it. That's good. <laughs> also interesting to see that Donkey Kong is apparently going to be maybe, I don't know, something of an ally at some point, which I mean, mm-hmm. to be fair, big surprise. But yeah. I was honestly kind of thinking he was just going to show up in that arena scene and maybe they'd kind of sequel slash spinoff bait with him, but it seems like if he's helping out with the obstacle course, at least, maybe he might actually be more of an ally. The classic platforming scene was cool. Yeah. I don't think that's been shown in any of the trailers so far, but, like, yeah, the sideways on platforming scene is like, alright, that's good. That's a really good shot. Plus, he's using power-ups, which I don't think we typically see Donkey Kong do. Yeah. Yeah. He's not generally playable in... Mario platformers that have power-ups, so that's a neat thing. Oh, yeah. The whole, like, Rainbow Road sequence was still freaking awesome, although I was sad that Mario's car gets destroyed. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) Also, Peach gets to say, here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, she did. I could stand for Peach to be a little more cartoony. Eh, I mean, yeah, I can kind of see that. So far, I'm cool with Peach. I can definitely see the argument of her being a little bit more cartoony, but I also don't really have a major problem with how she's portrayed so far. Granted, I say this as someone who has next to no intimate knowledge of like overall Mario lore, but I do like that she has what seems to resemble something of a personality, so that's neat. I mean, Peach has a personality in the games. Hmm. It's just different. Fair. There's this one bit, it's not from the trailer, it was like a new footage thing or maybe a little mini trailer where she's about to do a speech and then a toad interrupts and asks who is this guy and it shows Mario and then it cuts to Peach just making a just making this really weird face of what the fuck (laughs) it's just a really weird confused face and I wish I could find a screen cap of it to show to you but it it makes me feel a little bit better about it Mm -hmm. also that same that same bit had Bowser sitting at a piano (laughs) So Wait. maybe we'll get a Bowser Rock number or something. Okay. I mean, that's he's a, Jack Black. He is Jack Black, so it's like, yeah, that's he, so that seems like something where it's like, I feel like there'd be a scene where it's like Jack Black would be like, okay, look, I am all for this. I do have one little request, though. <laughs> I'm not threatened. Mm. And then, after weeks upon weeks of me falling for fake trailers... <laughs> I don't think I've ever really mentioned it much on here, but no, I keep I keep falling for trailers and then watch them and go, wait, shit, that's a fake trailer. Fuck me! We finally have an actual trailer with dialogue for The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. <laughs> See, the thing is, is that when I mentioned before that all of these trailers have moved me from off the fence to okay, kind of actually interested in seeing it. That is true for this, but it wasn't a big move if we're being completely honest. No, it's like, this is, this. okay, this looks like a relatively competent movie. 
There are yeah. things in it that I really like. I can't believe I'm saying this. This is probably the most excited I've ever been to see Melissa McCarthy in anything. <laughs> because it looks like she's going to knock Ursula out of the park. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll take that. The underwater scenes, when there's sunlight, are gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Not particularly convincing, but gorgeous. They are pretty regardless. Everybody seems to be nailing the acting, more or less. I'm not super sold on Triton, I'll admit. Mm -hmm. He seems a little wooden. Who plays Triton again? <sighs> I want to say Javier Bardem, but I feel like I'm not correct on that. No, you are. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, Javier Bardem. Yeah, I don't know. He seems a little wooden from the bits that I've gotten. Mm -hmm. Sebastian's design is terrible. <laughs> I I yeah. hate everything about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I will give you that. And there are some CGI bits that aren't particularly convincing underwater that mm. all in all don't look great. Okay, you know what? There is one bit in this trailer, though, that kind of sums up everything I hate. Just kind of my general feelings about most of these live-action remakes. And it's the bit when she's finally belting out the last part of your world and the big, like, water splash comes up from behind her. Mm -hmm. And it's fine, but it's so underwhelming compared to the original. Mm. And it's because there's a limit to what you could do with that splash and still have it look realistic without knocking the actress flat on her fucking face. <laughs> It would add to the spectacle. <laughs> but then that begs the question, why even bother remaking that scene? And the answer is because if you don't remake that scene, people are going to get mad and say, why are you even remaking the movie? To which I say, good question. Why are you remaking the movie? <laughs> yeah, I'm not as strong on that because I, I think I've mentioned this before. I remember like not caring for a little memory as a kid. So like for me as an adult, I'm just like, this is... Kind of silly, but hey, whatever. This isn't the silliest live-action thing that Disney has done, so... I liked it well enough, mm -hmm. even as a kid. And mm. despite acknowledging that, yes, the, the romance is, you know, not great, and the whole shtick is kind of unfortunate. And the point is... <laughs> point is... Mm -hmm. I do still fondly remember that movie. And that one recreation of that scene just kind of sums up how I feel about the Disney live-action remakes at their best, which is, yeah, this is fine, but the original's better. Fair. Still, I mean, I'll probably end up going to see it. I don't think there's much else coming out that weekend. Yeah, as far as all the live-action, like, Disney callbacks and whatever, it seems like, well, as far as ones that I've actually, like, been interested in seeing and enjoyed seeing, I imagine this will be less, literally less offensive than... Dalmatians killed me, Mom. That's <laughs> still one of my favorites. <laughs> That's so fucking good. <laughs> oh, God damn it, the machines that same weekend. Oh, I mean, I, I think I'm more interested in the machine than the Little Mermaid, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> and so is about my father. Oh. God damn it, this is a real fucking conundrum of a weekend. <laughs> Shit. Oh, that, that should be a fun t thing to figure out. Oh, that's going to be a real bad juggle. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you look like you've done this before. <laughs> Let's talk box office. Alrighty. So it turns out I did see the highest grossing domestic movie this weekend. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was Scream 6. Yay. Uh, yay? Is that uh -huh. yay? Mm. 
took in $44.4 million domestically for a $67 million worldwide total. I think this is the highest opening for a Scream movie as well. Hmm. Biggest, okay, it's the biggest overseas opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, but also a new series record in North America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Franchise best. Cool. That $67 million worldwide is against a $35 million budget, so it's very close to making money. Might already be, depending on how much they spend on marketing. Right. Second place is Creed 3, which took in $27.2 million domestically for a $101.4 million domestic total. It's currently sitting at $179.7 million worldwide against a $75 million budget. That means it's already started making a little bit of money. Hmm. Third place, the movie that I completely forgot was coming out this weekend until this weekend already started, which is 65. <laughs> I, I kind of forgot about that as well. <laughs> it took in $12.3 million domestically this weekend and in total for a $20.8 million worldwide total. That is against a $45 million budget, though, so it's got a ways to go. Hmm. Fourth place, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which took in $7.1 million domestically for a $198.1 million domestic total. It's currently sitting at $448.3 million worldwide. At this point, it's honestly sounding like the movie might not actually cross 500 mil worldwide. That's actually kind of surprising. Yeah. For a Marvel movie. No, because like... Out of all the Marvel movies to do bad, this isn't the worst thing they've ever done. No, not not at all. I would have I would have really rather it be Thor Love and Thunder if anything was gonna do this. It's... We'll see what it... happens when Guardians comes out. I think that's gonna be the real The real test. Test of it, because it's a property that has already been doing pretty damn well. Same director. The trailers have been pretty well received. Everybody's really happy to have them back and have James Gunn back, so we'll see with that one. Anyways, okay. fifth place, Cocaine Bear, took in $6.2 million domestically this weekend for a $51.7 million domestic total. It's currently sitting at $65.7 million worldwide against a budget between 30 to $35 million. That means it's either making its money back already a little bit, or it's just got a little bit of a ways to go. Mm-hmm. So let's talk Scream 6. Oh boy, Let, let's indeed. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Well, it's he's like I'm assuming it's fine against the five other Scream movies. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily. It's probably one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. I watched. I'd only seen Scream one prior to the last couple months, and then I watched two through five to get ready for this one. And I gotta say, it kind of feels like I just watched more or less the same movie five different times. Mm. And it's not bad, but I'm not over the moon for them. Okay. And I think I finally figured out why after watching Scream 6. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna try real hard not to spoil stuff in this section. I'll save it for later. Right, well, in, in that case, what is the general premise of the Scream 6? Okay, so Scream 6 follows the cast from Scream 5, because Scream 5 was sort of a not-quite-reboot, but moving to a different cast of main characters. Mm. Uh, that being Sam Carpenter, who is actually the daughter of Billy Loomis, the mastermind killer from the first movie. Hmm. And her sister Tara, and... 
their friends. I don't think they were friends in the fifth movie, but maybe they were, and then they be, or maybe they just became friends afterward. But they're the nephew and niece of Randy, the meta guy from Scream One and Two. Mm-hmm. But so they've all moved to New York. They're going to college. But a new ghost face has happened, and now they have to figure out who that ghost face is, and they're teaming up with Gail Weathers, a.k.a. Courtney Cox, who's been in all five of these. Hayden Panettiere's back as Kirby Reed from Scream 4, which is a nice surprise, I guess. Right. Neve Campbell is actually not back for this one. Apparently Paramount wasn't willing to pay her what she wanted, which... Honestly makes it a little bit unfortunate that this one is now doing the highest, because apparently that means these screen movies don't necessarily need Sydney. Hmm. But, hey, what do I know? It was also nice to have her out of the action, though, because... Shit, she's been through five of these. I think that's enough. <laughs> yeah, only so much someone can take before actually, like, losing their, their damn minds. And I mean, this is fine. I think they kind of underutilized the whole premise of it being in New York. I was expecting more of an examination of bystander syndrome and general collective apathy. Instead, it seems like more stuff gets gotten away with because it's happening close to Halloween. Mm-hmm. And therefore, there's a lot of people in costumes running around. But also, like, on the flip side, when the, when the ghost face... I almost said ghost face killers... <laughs> is what they are <laughs> but when the ghost faces start their new rampage there's a thing in the news where it's like sales of the ghost face mask have gone off the charts it's like no absolutely not right i mean that would happen don't get me wrong but god damn it you think the police would be like stop selling these there's a couple of killers running around using these <laughs> anyways my big problem with the Scream movies that I finally figured out after watching six of these fucking things. <laughs> right. <laughs> Scream is a metal horror franchise. That's okay. kind of their shtick, is that the characters don't know they're in a movie, but there's a very heavy emphasis on the nature of horror movies and what it means to be in one. Most of the Scream movies have a character who will lay down the rules, but it's always like, Okay, so since we're in a horror movie, these are the rules. Don't have sex, don't split up, that kind of stuff. And then in the second movie, it becomes, okay, now we're in a sequel, so the rules are a little different. And then in this one, it's like, oh, it's the sequel to the requel, which means we're a franchise now. So, legacies are probably showing up just to die. Sorry, Gail and Kirby, you're probably <laughs> on the chopping block. Even the mains aren't safe, because now they're experimenting, and they can always swap out the mains with somebody else. Mm. And... They keep doing this, and after six of these, I finally realized the problem. Okay. Horror has become, collectively, more meta over the years. Okay. There's almost always, you know, that one person who's like, don't split up, don't do this, don't do that, and then they get killed anyway, obviously, because it's a horror movie. But the whole problem I have is that after six of these, it doesn't feel like anybody has yet to examine... What does it mean to be in a Scream movie? Okay. And it's especially egregious because in-universe, there are actual movies based on what happened in the previous Scream movies, and they're called Stab, and it's in very poor taste. But <laughs> it frustrates me because nobody ever approaches it like, okay, this is like the sixth Stab movie, let's 
Nobody ever preps for what to do in the event of a ghost face attack. Because the thing is, ghost face ultimately is just an asshole in a mask and a robe. Usually right. two assholes in a mask and a robe. But mm -hmm. the point is, just a regular human. And the thing that frustrates me to no end is that in every single one of these movies, there's a point where, in trying to get away from Ghostface, somebody f fights back a little bit, knocks him on his ass, and then they go back to running. Uh, you know what? I got that feeling during, like, the first trailer for Scream 6 when the guy whips out the shotgun in the store. Um, Ghostface ends up subdu subduing him, taking the shotgun, and killing the guy, and I assume other people in the store. I'm like... Okay, but how? That that shouldn't happen. <laughs> I mean, that can happen, but the thing that always gets me is, th there's a strategy I'd like to propose for these kind of movies called JKFHH. JKF, okay. Just keep fucking hitting him. <laughs> continue. <laughs> when you knock Ghostface down, don't continue to run. Put your back to a wall, and then just keep wailing on him. And don't, don't stop when he stops moving. Don't try to cautiously edge closer then and try to take the mask off or disarm him or whatever. What you do is, you keep fucking wailing on him until his head, his chest, or something vital caves in. And there's no way he can possibly get back up. And then you stab him a few times for good measure. <laughs> And they come close. They come close in this movie. But it's so frustrating that after six of these, nobody has ever stopped and said, he's just a prick in a mask. What I'm imagining in my head is the, you see, the scream equivalent of Chris Rock's old sketch of how not to get your ass beat by the police. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just that. But instead of a subject, it's just scream. It's just um, ghost face in every scene. <laughs> and the back to the wall thing is important because... The other, the other thing is, like, everybody's always like, oh, it comes back to something from the past, or it could be any of us, or whatever. It's like, you know what you should do? You should just spend all your time just railing on Ghostface. Just calling him out on what an absolute fucking insufferable, smarter-than-thou prick they always are, and see who slips up. Mm -hmm. Because you do it enough times, eventually it's gonna get to them. Yeah. The, the, the part of why I said make sure you have your back to the wall is because Ghostface, usually there's two of them, and they don't usually kill in pairs, except for when it's like the end game and they're both unveiling who they are. But the thing about them is, again, they are always one-upping fucking pricks. So yeah. they'll they'll do a twist just to just to do the twist. So that means theoretically there's no point in having this discussion in the movie because the ghost faces will just find a way around it. Mm -hmm. But it's still frustrating nobody's done it. There's a bit in this movie where there's five people when Ghostface busts into the apartment. And one says run, two of the others do, and then the other three are like, wait, hold on. It's like, no, 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 there's five of you. What you do is, two of you play lookout for another Ghostface, and the other three just fucking rush him! <laughs> You might get sliced, you might get a little stabbed, but I'll guarantee he can't kill all of you before you take him down. World Star starts playing in the background. <laughs> it's so goddamn frustrating to me. Nobody mm -hmm. ever sits down and has a discussion about these kind of things. Yeah, like... I feel like that's the kind of thing that somebody should be doing in these movies. It's the kind of thing I'd do, but then of course I'd die. I mean, it makes sense, though. 
Like at a certain, I can see that. Like at a certain point, especially since it's always none of these movies focus on one person versus Ghostface. It's always a group of people. I think I've only seen bits of each of the movies, with the obvious exception of six. But it's like in all of them, it's like all right, all on on almost all the scenes, at least I've seen of these movies, there's very rarely a moment where Ghostface isn't significantly outnumbered in some reasonable capacity. So it's like. Everyone just jump his ass. Yeah, he's usually only got a knife. He only got that shotgun because he took it from somebody. Yeah, and like you said, someone might get stabbed, but it's like, hey, that's one person getting stabbed. If they are unlucky enough for the person who got stabbed, but lucky enough for everyone else, if it's a good enough, unfortunately, it's like, that knife will stop becoming a problem if one person gets stabbed, and everyone else can just start wailing on him. Dark as that might sound. <laughs> no, no, it's like at this point, fuck them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's a different ghost face every time because, you know, they're only human and therefore they die at the end of each one of them. But it's still a case of, Shh. we've done this shit six times. Somebody has done this shit six times. Just fuck them up. The fact that these movies are also presented in the movies as entirely fictional movies in their universes is also a thing. Of like, okay, you've also been, at least from what it sounds like to me... Alright, so you have been literally been given a guidebook on how not to fuck up. And You'd think. still get it wrong. You'd think. Mm. And yet. <laughs> I will give this one credit. I care more about the main characters in this one than I have in any other Scream movie. Mm. So that's an accomplishment. Chad, in particular, lives up to his name. <laughs> oh boy, tell me more. <laughs> oh no, he's just he's just a he's just a good solid guy. Oh, okay. Uh that's a terrible joke. I'm cutting that one. <laughs> Nobody will ever know what it was now. Oh dear. Oh, I won't spoil who it was yet, but I will say this is the first movie, this is the closest I've ever come to guessing the killer in these movies. Oh, really? And it's not I'll give a point to the movies for that, I guess, that I've never seen it coming. However, it's also because all the plot twists are fucking stupid and there's never any real evidence. Hmm. It's just twists and turns all the way through. But I was right for a good portion of the movie. Okay. At least halfway. I got one of them right for most of the movie. And then I let myself get diverted and distracted. I think that's about all I got that's not a spoiler. Okay. Or at least, yeah, not really a spoiler. Yeah. So in that case, if you don't want to get spoiled on Scream 6, I, it's worth it, I guess. Okay. If you're into slashers. Hmm. It's certainly, there's definitely worse. There's even, there, there's, there's way worse in the Scream ones. Yeah, even. yeah, like, I, I, the both of us can definitely attest to that. So, I'd say, yeah, it's worth a watch if you're into this kind of movie. Hmm. Not necessarily if you're not, because there's nothing particularly elevating here but if you don't want spoilers make sure to click away in three two one okay so i'm not i'm not gonna jump right into who ghostface is but so i guess what happened is after the first or after the last scream scream five there Mm. were rumors started that sam the main character actually framed the previous killers and she did it all herself so she's Ooh. having a hard time adjusting to that. Her sister Tara is refusing to deal with the problems and just kind of living in the moment. Hmm. Going to parties, getting drunk, that kind of thing. Hmm. So that's difficult to deal with. Right. 
like I said, they, they really underutilize the New York setting. That whole bit where the convenience store thing happens, everybody else runs out of the store. And it honestly kind of bothered me because Ghostface doesn't usually kill people who aren't connected to whatever they're doing. Mm. So just killing a couple of people for being in the way is a case of like, oh, fuck, this is... <laughs> so you've abandoned all pretense and now you're just a generic serial killer. Great, great, yeah, it's cool. Like, yeah, th- this is just homicide now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what's really frustrating? They had a really good chance for a fake out. It mm-hmm. or for an interesting twist on it because it opens with a new pair of Ghostface killers who were classmates of the of the last one, and they were planning mm. on finishing his movie because his whole shtick was he wanted to save the Stab franchise by making a new movie out of it or something. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's fucking dumb. So mm. they were gonna finish his movie, quote unquote. Only they get butchered by another ghost face who ends up being the actual main bad guys of this movie. And I thought to myself, two ghost face groups running around is a good idea. Or even a movie where we know exactly who the killer is, but the characters don't, could be interesting. Because that doesn't Mm. usually happen. Yeah. In any kind of movie like this. But instead, nope, just another fake out. Cool. Funny enough, the the, the fake... I, I shouldn't say fake ghost face, because they actually do kill Samara Weaving. Uh, <laughs> okay. One of them is Tony Revolori. Oh. He's Flash Thompson. Oh, okay. Yeah, huh. from, the, from the Homecoming movies. Yeah. So that that would have been fun. Shame we didn't get that. No, it turns out it's actually the police officer and <laughs> I think Tara's roommate. Okay. Yeah. I call I so I called the two of them very early in because of the fact that despite being his daughter's roommates, he was allowed to sit in on the case. He was allowed to handle the Ghostface case when it opens back up. He says he had to pull some strings or whatever. I was like, no, nobody would let you anywhere near that. <laughs> so I started thinking, okay, it's the cop and it's Quinn, the roommate, and then Quinn dies. <sighs> So oh, I thought. For that. <laughs> so I thought, okay, that doesn't rule out the cop, though. Mm-hmm. That's a very easy. That's a very easy in. Is I want to help you with the case now because he killed my daughter. Yeah. But if you have your reason for doing it, okay, cool, cool, cool. But then the movie starts veering more towards Kirby, who's apparently an FBI agent now. But they keep mm. dropping hints that maybe she's not officially on the case and that she's still working through her own shit from what happened in Scream Four. And then, mm-hmm. near the end of the movie, when they're planning a trap, to, and they're, they basically lock themselves in this giant warehouse that allegedly the fake ghost faces bought as a shrine to whatever. They get a call from the cop saying, no, Kirby was let go from the FBI, she's not actually the killer, and I fucking bought it. I fucking <laughs> fell for it. <laughs> I can't believe I let myself fall for it. Hmm. Because of course it wouldn't be if you don't get the chance to see Ghostface unmask himself. No, it turns out it's the cop, Quinn, and Chad's roommate, who... Oh. It turns out, there's yeah, there's three Ghostfaces. They're all Richie, the killer from Scream 5. They're his family. Oh, really? And they want revenge on Sam for killing him. You know, in self-defense, because he was trying to kill all of her friends and then frame her for murder. Yes. Because everybody in this is a... Every Ghostface in this is a petty fucking asshole. Yeah, no, that's 
bad. <laughs> not bad in terms of the movies, just like, no, that's just a bad human beings right there. Yeah, terrible. But no, I felt like I knew it was the cop for most of the movie, and I let myself. There's a bit where Gale gets attacked, and although the cop seemingly means well, everything he fucking suggests just makes it harder for them to get to Gale before Ghostface can. And it's like it's fucking him. It's gotta be him. But I let yeah. I let him bamboozle me. <laughs> I'll give the movie that. I let them bamboozle me. <laughs> they fucking got you. They did. Mm. I've been smeckledorfed. <laughs> we had the glorious return of Gale Weathers getting punched. Oh boy. Yeah, no, it's great. At one point, Sam goes to punch her. She ducks, saying, come on, I've been through this before. And then Tara punches her instead. <laughs> okay, at that point, you are literally asking for it. Right? <laughs> That's funny. It was very good. Mm. Gail is the closest I've seen, except for the end of the movie, to... She actually puts up a good fight against Ghostface and almost gets him. But what she does is she just edges towards him and then stomps on his wrist to try to get his knife. And then he jabs her with something else. Oof. It's like, no, 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 no. Rush up. Don't give him any chance. Yeah. Just kick him in the fucking head until he's dead. <laughs> River stomp on his head. But then, ah, uh, the ending. After after everything these pricks have done in the name of petty vengeance for an asshole who didn't deserve it. Hmm. They get such a viscerally satisfying beatdown. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quinn gets shot in the head. <laughs> oh, okay. Ethan, so Sam kills Quinn, and Sam also kills the cop whose name I forget. Mm. I, I don't think, I don't know if we ever even learned his first name. Point is, uh, Sam kills both of them, but Tara, played by Jenna Ortega, she gets the kill on Ethan. Mm-hmm. And she does it by stabbing him in the mouth. Oh, and then like twisting it. Oh, like under the chin. Yeah. Uh, no, wait. At, no, she stabs him through the mouth. Oh, damn. Actually, no. Wait, he lived through that, but then he got a TV <laughs> dropped on him, just like Stu Mocker did in the I'm first. So I, I'm no, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was. It was like, part of the. It was part of the warehouses because the warehouse is full of memorabilia from the actual Scream killers. Okay, I was gonna say like. Did we just become a Hanna-Barbera cartoon? Is that Maybe what just a little happened? bit. <laughs> Perhaps a little bit. Mm. So that happens. TV falls on his head. <laughs> so I guess she didn't really kill him, but she set him up for a good kill. Right. And then, so, in the last movie, when Sam killed Richie, she mm -hmm. stabbed him like 22 times and then shot him three times. Mm. Here she completely one-ups it. Oh, really? She actually, because the whole shtick is they they want to frame her for this whole thing again, because real fucking original. Mm. And they keep telling her to put on the ghost face mask, and she does. Oh, boy. And then she proceeds to use their own phone call trick with the voice modulator, shows up in the ghost face costume, starts stabbing the guy through his bulletproof vest probably at least 30 times. Hmm. <laughs> And then, she's about to go, I'm not a killer, and I'm not going to do this, Just I'm not going to do what you wanted to do, and he starts thanking her, and then she shares a glance with her sister, and then goes, but you don't fuck with my family, which is something that the <laughs> cop said to get their trust and get in on the case, and then she just stabs him through the fucking eye, and it's great. Nice. So <laughs> that's, good. that's awesome. I guess another disappointing thing is, 
none of the main characters actually get it in this one. Hmm. Kirby, Gale, Chad, Mindy, they all come close, but they all make it through in the end. And oh, the only ones who really oh. die off are just side characters, so it's it feels a little toothless. Hmm. Especially after the last one killed Dewey. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It it's fine. It's not it's certainly not my favorite slasher movie ever made. Right. But I've also seen way worse and I'd watch this one again. <laughs> okay, you know what? That part is encouraging. Yeah. I would watch this one again. Mm-hmm. If only so maybe I could give it another analysis and see, hey, wait, is there really nothing to this, or... Right. So I think that about wraps it up for Scream 6. Well, I will say, it definitely sounds better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I definitely had a better time than I was expecting, considering I just kind of med my way through (laughs) the rest of the Scream movies. Right. Next week, I'm pretty sure it's Shazam... I feel like it's not a good sign that I don't remember if it's Shazam next week or not. Mm. Yep, it's Shazam. Okay. Oh, but also Inside. God damn it. Inside, Inside. That's the Willem Dafoe trapped in a penthouse movie. Oh, that's... Oh, that's right. Why must this be so difficult? (laughs) I find this funny how at the beginning of the year you were saying it's like there's so much good shit this year and I'm so looking forward to it. And then it's like it starts like there's not enough time. (laughs) Why must all this good shit be coming out? Mm. Anyways, regardless, it's probably Shazam. Mm -hmm. I have to see. I have to see Shazam. Yeah, probably Shazam as well. Even though I do. Helen Mirren's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But regardless, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow on Spotify, TikTok, Facebook. Oh, oh, I'm back on Twitter! Yay! Yeah, all of a sudden, out of the blue, my Twitter (laughs) account is just back. We'll see how long that lasts. (laughs) The musk has been lifted. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, why'd you have to save that for the very end? That's good Uh, shit. Thank you. If only that actually happened in real life, too. But that's neither here nor there. Um, (laughs) Anyways, we'll catch you guys next week. This has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.